Everybody excited about 2023? Yeah. How are those resolutions going? Everybody good? How many of you broke one already? Kind of fell off already? Yeah, I know, that, that, that does tend to happen. Um, you know, I, I read yesterday, um, again, I, I, I've looked this up before in the past, but and I, this is just so amazing, that January 15th, you, you know what happens on January 15th? It's the start of Girl Scout cookie sales season, <laughs> which makes no sense because we're all trying to be good, right? We, and so I don't know, you know, I mean, you're, you're trying to get on that running program, like Run For God. If you haven't done Run For God and you even want to try, man, I, look, I, if I can do it, you can do it. So come tonight at 6. We'd love to have you there. Um, I just think it's funny. We're, we're trying to, you know, trim. We're trying to, you know, get in shape, all these things. And then these little darlings show up at your door. And I got to tell you, thin mints are deceiving, there, you don't get thin from eating Thin Mints, I just, just in case you didn't already know, know all of that. So you know, I'm excited about what's in store for 2023. I'm excited that we're together. As I shared last week, for those of you who weren't with us, I know a bunch of our praise team was up uh, leading worship at camp and things like that, but the word that God has put upon my heart for 2023 is this word grow. And I'm believing that our Heavenly Father wants us to grow individually, so I'm working at things individually, um, and he wants us to grow as a church, but it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to ask God or to say, okay, God, I'm willing to grow because we all know that that means that there's work involved. But man, when you do and when you submit to God's incredible will for your life, it, we will see amazing things happen this year. And, and I hope you're ready to see amazing things happen this year. Are you ready? Yeah, good. Because I don't know about you, but I'm sure hoping it's better than last year, right? Even though last year was good, right? Lots of good, great things happened last year, but I'm just anticipating what God's going to do. You know, I, I heard this uh, kind of fun illustration about a guy who... Um, he had a dog, and he's walking his dog out. Every day he'd go for a walk, and one day he was walking out, and, and they went by a lake, and the guy picked up a stick, and he, he threw the uh, stick out on the lake. And the dog walked out on the lake, picked up the stick that was floating, and walked it back to him. And the guy's like, well, you know, he's thinking, okay, I must be crazy here. What in the world's going on? You know? And so he, he, he just thought, man, I, I'm crazy. I must be seeing things. So the next day, he, he had his neighbor go with him. And, and, and he had the neighbor come alongside him. He goes, okay, you got to see this. And he takes a stick, and he throws the stick out on the lake. And the dog goes walking out on the water. And he picks up the stick, and he brings it back and drops the stick off. And, and, and the guy goes, did, did, you, did you see that? Did you see it? Well, I mean, did you notice anything crazy about my dog? And the, and the guy goes, yeah. He goes, your dog can't swim. <laughs> so, you know, so, I mean, sometimes, sometimes we miss the miracle. Sometimes we miss the point. And we don't want there to be any misunderstanding. So every couple of years, for sure, we try to start the year off by reminding ourselves what the mission and the vision of MPFCC is all about. And, and, and what we hope that you realize over the next few weeks is that this mission, that this vision is not something that we just kind of created ourselves, but this is something that we believe God is calling us to, that his word says, and that we are called to do this. And, and, and so, but, but every few years, um, it, I mean, it's been a few years since we've actually gone through this. And so maybe many of you weren't here. Some of you, you've been around for a while and you know, you could repeat some of our mission and our vision stuff, you know, in your sleep. And, and if, if that's you, then we're doing our job right, right? But many of you may not have heard this and we want you to be on board with us because I believe, I believe God has a lot in store for us as a church. And so I'm excited to share this with you because I also believe this is a very pivotal time in history. Um, every once in a while, there are seasons where 
there are pivotal changes in the way life and culture goes. And I think we've been in that, and as we move out of that, it is a pivotal time to recreate life moving forward in a new and fresh way, but that is centered upon the mission and vision of God. Not what the rest of the world says, but what God tells us is, is the plan. And our world is confused and people are questioning everything, and I just happen to believe that Jesus has the answers for the deepest longings and the most important questions of life. Do you agree with that this morning? And if you're here this morning and you're not sure, we hope you'll come to discover that, that Jesus is the one that has answers. And I still believe that God's plan A for rescuing a lost, dying, broken world is still through the local church. You believe that? That God's plan A is still the local church. Somebody should tweet that this morning, right? Uh, it, it's, it's vital for us to know with crystal clarity what our mission is because mission determines direction, right? Yeah, I mean, when you go off on a mission, you go in a particular direction according to what the mission entails. And so and if we're going to know the direction that we're supposed to go, if we're going to know the things that we're supposed to do, then we have to know the mission because the mission tells us, you know, the destination. It tells us where we're heading and it determines our direction, and one of my most important jobs, I think, as, as a pastor, is to keep pointing us back to the mission so that it is crystal clear and so that we don't get off base, so that, that we don't, like, veer off track, so that we stay as a church on mission. Because it's super easy. It's super easy to get off course. You know, it, it's super easy. How many of you have even had your GPS mess you up or take you the long or the wrong way, Right? So like, it's really, really easy to get off course. In fact, I read this story about a guy, um, this do uh, Dr. Um, Edward Gamson. He lives in Bethesda, Maryland. And he was going on a business trip to uh, London, and he thought, hey, while I'm in London, he always wanted to go to this um, town in Spain, uh, Granada, Spain, where there's this Alhambra Castle, beautiful place. Um, and he wanted to go to this particular place. And so he thought, hey, after I go to London, I'll just fly. It's just a super short flight from London to Spain, and I'll, I'll be able to spend some time there. And so he, he thought this is where he was going to go. Um, but, he, and, and he gets on the plane in London at Heathrow Airport. I don't know if you've ever been there. Crazy place, right? But um, it, it, he gets on the plane, and instead of flying due south, the plane takes off and starts going west. And after a couple hours, he's thinking, hey, wait a minute. Where in the world are we going? Like, we're still going this direction, and I thought I was just going two hours south. And what ended up happening is 10 hours later, he landed not in Granada, Spain, but in Grenada, okay, in the Caribbean. You see, I mean, what, what seems to have happened is that, um, that he made the reservations on the phone, with someone from British Airways and said, hey, I want to go to Grenada, and, and they did it, but instead of spelling it G-R-A, I'm sorry, um, yeah, G-R-A-N-A-D-A, -A -A, they spelled it G-R-E. One letter, one letter got this guy thousands of miles off track, right? That's all it takes. And the same thing can happen to us in, in our faith journey is it's really easy to get off track, right? It's really easy to, to let other things seep in or other things cause us to take the wrong direction. Folks, it, it doesn't take much for us to end in the wrong destination or to get us off mission as a church. And I want to be sure that our church stays on mission. First of all, I just want, I want to just tell you this. Um, I, number one, um, I want you to know how much I love our church. Um, and on behalf of our staff, um, I just want to thank all of you for, you know, your, your care and generosity. I mean, we, we received some gifts last week from, from many of you, and I just want to thank you for that. Um, you're a church that, that cares deeply and takes great care of our staff, and uh, you encourage us, you support us, and you care for us. I just want to say thank you for that. Um, I, I love what God is doing here. I love what he's doing in people's lives. I love watching transformation 
take place in people's lives. It's absolutely amazing. I, I love the way that God has been using our church family to impact our community and the world. I mean, I, I got a letter um, just uh, about a week or so ago telling us about uh, the impact that Christmas shop that we hosted here uh, for Christmas served, you know, hundreds of families to get gifts, but how much that impacted the life of a family, just one of the many families in our community. Um, I keep getting letters from our missionaries uh, around the world, our mission partners in places like, and, and you need to know that the medical center that you all helped build in Liberia is actually saving lives like every week. Um, which, which is absolutely amazing. Okay, it's, it's not only helping save physical lives by providing medical care, they're hearing the gospel when they're there. And, and that's obviously the most important part, but they're coming to get themselves healed physically, but they're getting the gospel, and that is so, so huge. And so I, I love that, that each time we have next steps, that, that I hear stories from people who came as guests and discovered that this place feels like home because of the way that many of you demonstrate hospitality and just love on people. And, and I absolutely love that. And, and they find out that there is a place that they can work on their faith journey. Um, and they discovered that they're welcome here. And by the way, the next one is in a couple weeks on the 22nd, right after service, I hope. If you have not been to Next Steps, I mean, I, I've talked to many of you who've been like members of our church for a long time, and you're like, well, I've been a member for a long time. I don't, I don't need to go. And, and the um, response to that is, yes, you do. Because it's always helpful to be reminded um, about what our church is all about and how to get connected so that you can share it with others as well. So if you've never been to Next Steps, I hope you'll join us on the 22nd. And you can sign up online, um, and it's right across the way, lunch, childcare, all that stuff's provided. Hope you'll, hope you'll take us up on that. Um, I love the fact that we have been called by many people like the Bible church. We're a Bible church, and, and I absolutely love that, that we together are working to a place where we don't compromise our convictions when it comes to the Bible. We believe that the Bible is God's word, we believe that it is true, and we take it seriously, but we also try not to be legalistic, and so we give shower out grace, um, realizing that everybody is in process. And, and I love that about our church. I love our staff. We have amazing servants who love the Lord and who just give it their all. Um, I don't know how many of you saw the Christmas video, but we, we really had a blast trying to just throw that together and just have fun. But we've got a great group of creative, wonderful people who have huge servants' hearts, and I, and I love them. I love our leadership. Our, our elders are godly individuals who search God's word. They pray for you all regularly, and they take seriously their responsibility to lead our church forward. Um, I hope that you've been receiving the devotions um, because during this month, our, our staff and our elders are writing devotions for every day during uh, this series through the month of January. If you're not getting them and you would like to, you can go online and you can sign up to, um, to receive those. And, and just quite honestly, I just, I love you all. I love, I love this place. I love what God is doing. And I think God has great things in store for us. Has God been faithful? Are you not quite sure? I mean, has God been faithful to us, to you? Yeah, amen. He deserves the praise for that. But I also love our mission because I think it really centers around um, what the Bible tells us to do. And I love the strategy that we're going to be diving into beginning today and throughout the rest of the month of January. And like I said, some of you have heard a lot of this before. Just keep, keep, I think we can't get reminded enough. But our mission as a church, and this is right there in the center of the notes that we're on your, on your thing, but the, the center of our mission, okay, what we're all about is that we exist to develop fully devoted followers of Christ who seek and save the lost. Uh, that, that is what we're here for, to, to develop fully devoted followers of Christ. I mean, that just means we, we want people to grow in their relationship with Christ. We want them to follow him. We want them to walk in the way of Jesus. That's what we are all about. We want them to be fully devoted followers of Christ, and then we want them to be people who help seek and save the lost, because can we all admit, our world is lost. 
You know, as I was studying this this last year, I was reminded of something I heard years ago, and so I, and it just said, hey, everywhere you go this week, whether it's at the grocery store, whether it's walking down the street, whether it's driving in your car, look at the people around you and just ask the question, are those people heading for an eternity with or without Jesus? And allow that to permeate so that we gain the heart of Jesus, knowing that there are people that we come in contact every day that are on a path towards a Christless eternity. And so we want to be people that help seek and save those people. Because here's the reality, a lot of the wonderful people, I mean, we live, we say this all the time, we live here at the end of the rainbow. And last week we actually had some rainbows, right? With all that rain praise Jesus, right? But it's really easy to hide behind all of the things that we have, not realize that we're lost and we're broken. And we, quite simply, the statement that we say all the time, the, the simple statement of how we say this is we're here, we're, we're here to help people find and follow Jesus. That's it. We want people to find and follow Jesus. And so if you haven't found Jesus and you're here this morning, our goal is to help guide you in that direction, right? I love the statement. We, we can't make you fall in love with Jesus, but we can try to arrange the first date. And, and that's what we're trying to do here. We just want to introduce you because we believe that if you are introduced to Jesus, if you encounter God, that you will fall in love with him because he loves you so much. Um, and then... We have our strategy, and this is where this series is called E3, um, because we have these three strategy statements that, and you've hopefully heard these before, um, that we exist to help people, the, the way that we help people find and follow Jesus, we want people to encounter God, to experience community, and to extend compassion. So you, you saw all those three E words, right? Makes it really easy to remember. Encounter God, experience community, and extend compassion. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to just unpack all those. And so we're glad that you're here. If, if you're new here, you picked a great time to come. I hope you'll come each week because we're going to keep unpacking this. Because this is the filter for everything that we do. As we are planning, as we are doing things, as we hope that you are connecting with us, then our goal is to look at all those three things and to ask ourselves, is this helping people encounter God? Is it helping people experience the community that God wants for us? Is, is it helping us extend the same compassion God has given to us to others? And so, like I said, we're gonna dive into that this week because I, I love the church. And I happen to agree with those who think that the church, the local church, is still the hope of the world. Now, what is the church? The, the, the church, is, I mean, there's a big C church, which stands for all the believers everywhere throughout time, right? That, that we're, the, we're the church. I mean, I love that I can travel all over the world and I bump into other followers of Jesus and immediately, it just blows my mind how immediately we know that we're connected. I, I mean, I can fly into places that, that make no sense sometimes, and, and then you walk in and you meet another follower of Jesus, and it, it's crazy. Um, like, I, when I travel, like, internationally, stuff, I, I have a backpack. It's got everything in it that is needed to survive for, like, at least a few days, right? And it's got all the essential stuff, you know, and passports and all that other thing. What's amazing to me is I can get off a plane in the middle of some tiny place, tiny airport in South America, Africa, wherever, and I just hand that backpack to some guy I've never met before because he's one of our mission partners or one of the people from his church who I know is a believer in Jesus, and immediately I know we're brothers. And there's something amazing that I love about how big the church is. And if you've never experienced that, I hope you can, because we're going to be celebrating God forever together for eternity. So I hope you get a chance to meet some of these people before we get there. Um, then there's the Little C Church, and this is the local church. This is us right here. And there's many of those, right? We, we, don't, we don't think that we right here have the corner on the market. We believe we have found something special in, in the way that we are trying to follow Jesus, right? But we know that we're not the only Christians, 
And, and so we love other people, but, but right here, God has planted us in this place. And if we're gonna change the world, well, first we have to change our world that we're in right here, our local community. And, and so we work together as a local community, and we need this, because if we're gonna grow, if we're gonna learn to follow, if we're gonna learn to walk and live like Jesus, we need community, and we'll unpack that in, the, in a couple weeks. Now, the one thing we all have to agree on is this. There are no perfect churches, right? There's no perfect churches. Um, uh, we are not a perfect church. Um, what, what I've had to tell people sometimes is, like, as hard as we try, um, uh, we will, I will disappoint you or others at times. I'm not perfect. No one is. Um, I, I always love, I've heard it said, if you ever find the perfect church, then don't go there because you'll wreck it. Right, um, but, but the reality is there isn't a perfect one because we're all in process, we're all working on it, we're all, we're all broken together. We're sinful people, but we found forgiveness and grace in Jesus. I, I hear people, and this is one of the kind of the things about our, uh, our church movement is you know, we wanna restore church back to the way the church was in the New Testament. And while on one hand I agree with that, I look back and I go, well, which one? Like, do you, want to, do you want to be like the church in Corinth? I mean, Paul had to write them two letters because of some major problems in their church, right? Just because they got a letter doesn't mean that they got it right. I mean, these guys had some serious sexual immorality going on in the church. Could you agree with me that there's some crazy sexual issues going on in our culture today, right? And we need to be aware, and we know that the Bible speaks to that, but, you know, they even had to get a second letter because they didn't get it right with just one. Uh, maybe, you know, do you want to be like the church in Galatians? I mean, these guys had a horrible time accepting a false teaching, right? And so they had to get a letter. Uh, maybe, you know, do you want to be like the church in Rome? The church in Rome struggled heavily with racial issues. Folks, nothing's new. Right, the, we've been struggling as a world with all this stuff because of the brokenness. I mean, the 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 world, and even it seeps into the church because we are broken and messed up people. But we love the church. We we get to give each other grace because God loves His church and He wants to work with us. And, and we want to be a growing church because healthy things grow. Right? Healthy things grow, and so we want to be healthy. We want to help you grow in your health and your walk with Jesus. We want you to be constantly being conformed into his image, too. We want you to walk the way of Jesus, right? And again, we'll unpack this over the next several weeks, but we want you to grow. And as you grow, then together we're going to grow, and when we do that, then we're going to make an impact in the world because we want to be a church that's on mission. So again, what is the church? Well, to discover this, let's just take a really quick look into the first place that the word church is used here in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, a um, little context, because context is always important. Jesus had been working with the 12 um, uh, apostles for a while, and he, these guys are following him around because they're apostles or apprentices. They're walking around following Jesus, looking at everything he's doing. And so Jesus takes these guys, and you gotta remember that most of these guys are, you know, you, you look at pictures and things like that, and we assume that some of these apostles are like, you know, the pictures look older. These guys are probably teen in their teen years. Many, I mean, most of them are, un, I mean, I, I would bet that most of them, there might have been one or two in their early 20s, but most of them are like under 20. And these guys are following Jesus around, and Jesus takes them, he goes, come on, we're going to Caesarea Philippi, Right? Just, just for context, that would be like, like a pastor saying, we're going to learn about following God. Come on, we're going to Vegas. Right? Um, because Caesarea Philippi was a hotbed of all kinds of pagan activity. Uh, some of us got to go there a few years back, back in 2019, and as you walk into the city on the main road, there's all these niches in the walls of the, uh, uh, like this cliff by the, the little road coming in, and all of these things have all these places where, where they would put idols to all these gods. 
And so you would come there to worship whatever God you thought you needed to worship to get what you think you needed, right? So if you, if you needed, you know, if you were like, oh, you know, we, we, we want to have children or we want our crops to grow really fast, then you go and you worship the fertility God. If, uh, you know, if you needed, you know, if something was, if you were sick, you would go worship this other God. And, and they had this crazy temple, and it was the temple to the deity Pan, and it was, it, was, it was built out of the mouth of this cave, but out of the cave was this river, and this river would flow under this temple and out and down the hill, and, and while the temple's not there anymore, you can see the remnants and the cave is still there, and at the very front, there was an altar, and, and there were people who would come, and they would worship these pagan gods, and there were times that people would even, like in worship to pagan gods, they would throw children over this altar and into the river. I mean, that's what kind of pagan place this was. And so Jesus goes, hey, come on, we're going over here. And, and you know, these disciples are going like, Jesus, my mom told me never to go there. <laughs> right? Mom, mom says we don't go to Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus is like, yeah, come with me. And he comes there, and he's been teaching them for a while. And imagine this. They're walking into town by all these pagan gods. And they sit down in this place together, and, it's, and, 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 and then this is where we catch it up with the text. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now think about this. They've just walked by all these altars, all these other gods and everything else, and Jesus is saying, okay, everybody else out there is worshiping all these other gods. And he says, who are people saying I am? Am I just like another one of these? Like, who am I? And they replied, in verse 14, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And so others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. They were willing to stake the claim that, hey, he was like one of the, now, to be any of these guys, he had to have come back from the dead already. And so they're like, hey, you know, maybe he's a forerunner to the Messiah. Maybe he's, you know, no one, was, no one was ready yet to claim who Jesus really was. And Jesus, and Jesus said, who are people saying I am? Then he turns it on them. He says, but what about you? He asks, who do you say I am? And then in the statement that just changed everything, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. The son of the living God. I mean, think about that statement. You are the Messiah. You are the savior of the world. You are the son of the living God. All these other gods in these little niches, they're all dead. Right? They're just stone. They're just whatever. You are the son of the living God. Jesus replied to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And then he goes on and he says this, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Lots of debates about like what the rock is, right? Is the rock Peter, because Peter means rock, or is the rock the statement? I tend to believe that it's the statement, right? That Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he goes on and he says, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. The word for church in the Bible is this word ecclesia. It means an assembly, a gathered group of people, the called out ones. The, the way that this comes into play is in the Roman times, you lived in small villages. We did not have cell phones. We did not have text messaging. We did not have email. You could not stream anything. The way that you typically got your news was somebody came, a herald came to town. And when a herald came from Rome especially, they would come into the middle of your small village because, you know, we, we think like Newberry Park or some of these, like we're kind of a small town. Most of these small towns in this day and age were like, you know, just a couple hundred people. Rome would send a messenger, a herald, he would come into town, and he would say, you know, you've heard it before, hear ye, hear ye, right? Something to that effect, like, hey, I've got a message from Rome. And it, it, was, <coughs> excuse me, it was basically a call to pull everybody out together so that everyone would assemble together for a purpose. 
That's the word ecclesia. That's how ecclesia was used in, in the early uh, language, right? The called out people, like called out together for a purpose. And so, um, so the, the, these people were being called out, and that's what Jesus has done. He's called us out for a purpose. Um, a, a great deal of teaching over the recent decades has pointed out that the church is not a place. We agree with that, right? It's not just like the building is not the church. Um, it's not the building, but it's a people. We say that all the time. But we need to remember that it is the assembled people, right? It, it's like, I, I, like, it's not just me on my own, because I hear that all the time. Like, well, the, the, the building's not the church. The, I'm the church. You know, we're the church. I'm the church. And, and we get very individualistic, especially here in America, because everything's about the individual. And so we struggle with this concept. And, and the church, you know, again, it's not a place, not a building, but it is the people. But it's led many people to remove the, the word church even from their church names, right? We, we don't even want to use the word because, you know, we don't want people to think it's the building of the place. And, and, and then we, we say things like, you know, we don't go to church, we are the church. And, and, and while that's right and that's good, I think that this mindset has led many people to, to, again, say like, well, I am the church. I can do my own thing. Like, I don't need to go to church. I, I hear that all the time. I don't need to go to church because the church isn't the place. You know, I am, I am the church, right? And, and there's danger in that, right? There's danger. Just like that, you know, it's a misunderstanding about what the church is all about because the church is all about the people together, assembled together for a purpose. You see, I am not the church. You individually are not the church. We, corporately, we are the church. Um, I know people who say, I don't need a church because the golf course is my church. And um, while I like golf, um, I, I think that that's not biblical, <laughs> right? Um, if we, now, if we all assembled out on the golf course for a purpose, then, then that, that might work. But it takes an assembly to be the church, and that's what we want to be. We want to be on mission together. That's why we're going through this series. We want to be on mission together because we together are the church. Uh, Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three gather in my name, I am there in the midst. Now, that's an interesting verse because we also believe that Christ lives in me, right? Like Christ lives in me, but right here he says, where there's two or more gathered together in my name, I am in their midst. So I think what, he, what he's telling us is, is, hey, while you may have the Holy Spirit, while Christ may be living in you, to have a church, you have to have assembled people. There has to be people together. Now, whose church is it? Back to Matthew 16, 18, where he says, hey, Peter, you know, that you're Peter on this rock. I will build my church, right? He says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. So when we ask whose church is it, it's his church. It's his church, and he will build it. Now, how is he going to do that? He wants to use us, but we have to align ourselves with him. We don't just come up with whatever idea we want. We, we want, he says he's going to build it. Why? Because it's his. This is his church. It's not Ken's church, you know? It's not my church. We say that all the time, right? Oh, my church, at my church, we, we, you know, we do this thing and this thing. And again, I'm, I, I know, you know, I'm not, I, don't, don't just stop saying that because you think, you know. But it's like, we, we do, we individualize it. But Jesus says, I will build my church. So what we want to do is we want, that's why we need to make sure that we're on mission. So what is the mission of the church? What is the mission of the church, right? So let's, let's, let's look at that. I believe it's the continuation of Jesus' mission. We're, and Jesus said this in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This, this was the mission that Jesus was on. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Um, and, and I think it's so important for us to realize that that is the mission that we're on, that we carry for Jesus, that we're here to help seek and save the lost. Now, if, if you're amongst the lost, then we're here for you because we want you to not be lost, but we want you to be found, right? 
Um, and I think we as a church, we need to be really careful about this to, to remember our mission because, like, it, you know, if our family, if our family goes on a trip, we love to go camping, right? When the girls were little, we'd all go camping every once in a while, you know, because there was four of them and only two of us. Every once in a while, somebody would wander off and we'd have to go searching for them, right? And so, you know, we're like out camping one time and let's, let's just say that, you know, we've got the four girls and two of them wander off and we go looking for them, right? And we, we find Hillary, but we can't find Hannah, right? Well, do we stop and say, well, we got Hillary, let's just, you know, cut our losses, you know, we're still up, we're still up, we're still three and we only lost one, you know, it's all good, it's all good, you know, let's go home before we lose another, right? It's not how we play this, right? It's like, no, we turn over every inch of the campground, the forest, whatever we call insurgent rescue, we do, we keep going until the lost one is found, and folks, that is our mission. We keep going until the lost one is found. You know, I think it's easy for us to, um, as a church, and I just want to kind of give you this, this little il- illustration here. It's really, sorry about you guys way over on that side, I'll try to like tilt it. Um, it's really easy for us to get focused on what's going on here. Oops, see if this is all going to fall apart on me here. I needed a little bit bigger table, right? It's really easy to, for us to get focused on what's happening here. This says here. Did I spell it wrong? Oh. See how easy it is to mess this up. I did not try to do that, so. But it's a great example of how easy we can mess things up, right? So here. Okay, so again, it's really easy to get focused on what's happening here. We get it all the time. People are focused on what's happening here. We get in all these crazy things over like, oh, the music and the, you know, the, you know there are churches that, you know, people like leave a church because of the carpet, because they didn't get their way, because they, you know, the way that they do certain things or whatever. All this crazy stuff because we focus on what's going on here, right? And, and that's really important because it's dangerous to focus on here, because focusing on here, if we're not careful, it makes us become self-absorbed, okay? It, it helps us, it starts to make us ingrown, judgmental, all those things if we're just focusing on here. And what I like, and it's all about my preferences, and if you don't do it the way I like it, then I'll leave and go find another church, right? And um, that, we see that happen all the time. If we focus, if we're all just focusing on what's here. But if you focus on out there, right? Oh, I spelled that one right. <laughs> if you focus on what's out there and what God's calling us to, okay, when we're focused on that, we rarely argue about what's happening here. If we're really focused on what God wants us to do there, it's really easy to stay on track here because we're all working in the same direction. And that is huge for us because like, just like Grenada, Granada, whatever, right, and you end up in the wrong place, one word, one, one, one letter throws us off. So we gotta stay on track. We need to stay on mission because we don't wanna get off mission. Our mission is to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus, to walk like Jesus, to look like Jesus, to grow into the image of Jesus and when they do that, they're going to carry on the same mission that Jesus had, which is to seek and save the lost. Now, if you're not actively going, if you're not actively seeking the lost and making disciples, then the reality is that your church attendance today might be fine, but you haven't made Jesus' number one priority your number one priority. Because his number one priority is the lost. And... Um, and some of you say, oh, pastor, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Hey, you don't have to have the gift of evangelism. You just have to point people to the cross, right? I heard this the other day, that a missionary is not somebody who crosses the sea, but it's someone who helps people see the cross. And that's what's most important for us, you know. Um, and, and, and so what's our role in this? In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says this. The 11, I, I love this, it says, 
Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. I'm sorry, this is back in verse 16. He says, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I love they threw that in. Because it meant they still didn't have everything figured out. So you don't have to have everything figured out. You just got to trust him. And, And so they assembled. So they assembled together where Jesus told them to assemble. So what's that make them? Yeah, the church, right? So, um, so, and then they start on mission. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, right? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. We often call this the Great Commission, but in in the Christian faith, there's a lot of followers of Jesus that have made it the great omission. It's the one thing they're not super involved in. Who are we? We want to, make, we want to be a church that makes disciples, that helps teach people, that baptizes them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some of you, this may be the year for that for you. You're saying, yeah, it's, it's time to say yes to following Jesus. And for some of you who've been following Jesus for a long time, this may be the year that you said, hey, you know what? I really need to dive in, to dig in, to be connected to the church in a way that helps me grow and I I follow the way of Jesus more. Um, In in Acts chapter 1, 8, uh, the last thing Jesus said before he left this earth when he had his disciples gathered around, he said, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we are called as his people to be witnesses. You guys know what a witness is, right? Somebody that gets called, they go into court, and they say what they saw. That's, what, that's all we have to do. That's what we're called to do is to be witnesses. This series is helping us understand that we're called to be part of the process, and our part is to witness to what God has done. I mean, I love the fact that all throughout the New Testament, when, when the apostles keep getting in trouble, um, you know, they keep getting in trouble, they keep getting thrown in jail, they keep getting beaten, you know, tortured, all this other stuff. And, and, and every time these people are looking at this, go, they're just going, just, just renounce or just, you know, like, what's wrong with you people? And the statement that they keep saying over and over again is this, we cannot help but talk about what we have seen and heard. They were witnesses. They were witnesses to the resurrection. When you see your closest friend die on a cross, get buried in a grave, and then you see him three days later, and he walks through the wall of your house and comes and has dinner with you, you tell people, right? You tell people what you've seen and heard. So the question for us is this this morning. I just want you to think about this. Is, is what have you seen God do in your life? What can you witness to? People are always saying, oh, I don't know what to say. Witness to what God has done in your life. I mean, has, I mean and, and then just tell somebody. You don't have to get it perfect. Just tell somebody what God's done in your life. I mean, has God healed you from an illness, from a broken heart? Has he, has he healed a broken relationship in your life? Has God released you from bondage? Maybe from a, an addiction or like we say at CR, a hurt habit or hang up? Has God released you? Then tell somebody about it. Has God rescued you from sin or a stupid mistake? He does that for me all the time. Has God provided for you? Come on, look where you live. Has God provided for you? Has God blessed you? Tell somebody. So this morning, kind of as we wrap this up, I, w- I want you to hear from somebody, someone who's fairly new here at MPFCC, but who is encountering God, experiencing community, and is uh, understanding what it means to extend compassion, and they can't help but share it. So take a quick look at the screen. I'm Shauna Lubinsky, and my husband and I started coming to NPFCC about six months ago now, and it has just been absolutely life-changing and exactly what we've needed. For me personally, I was going through a pretty difficult season of life and um, being a Christian my whole life and attending church my whole life, 
Um, it was really hard for me to step out and start attending a new church because I was just worried about not being able to have the, the real like deep connections that I had built from the church I grew up going to. But the moment we started coming here, we just threw ourselves into everything. And uh, there were so many different things that were being offered. Anything from, you know, women's Bible studies to gatherings to outreach through the Ninos de Baja, um, CR, Rooted, I mean, everything. And it really helped rebuild my personal relationship with God in a way that I desperately needed. And um, I can't, I can't stop talking about it. And I've, I've never been able to um, be that passionate about a church. And so just to be able to have it just spill out of my mouth on a regular occasion is very different for me. And um, just to see how God really does work through this church and through the people here and how genuine everyone is here in wanting a relationship with each other and with God and with other people and to share that, it's just such a new experience for me. I would say going through the Rooted experience, everyone that has gone through it, uh, whether it was through this church or somewhere else, has said to me, like, you have to do Rooted, it's so great. Almost to where it sounded cliche, but then actually going through it, it's so well written in how it breaks down um, just all the different elements of Christianity. And so I was fortunate and blessed enough to experience it with a group of people that were in all different walks of, of life and of faith. And so there were so many different perspectives that came in and, you know, being a Christian my whole life, it, it totally brought in new perspectives for me and um, caused me to question things that I never questioned to learn and grow in my faith in a way that I hadn't before. And all of the little weekly studies, I think it was week five for me in Rooted that I just had this total God moment. and. Um, you know, again, going through a really rough time period of my life while I was going through Rooted, it just hit me like a freight train and it changed everything for me. It completely changed my whole perspective on where I felt like my life was at and where it was going. There have been a, a lot of different things between the women's ministry and just general activities that come up throughout the church, but I would say between Rooted and Celebrate Recovery, there's something about the vulnerability that comes with CR that it, your walls just drop and there are people that you know are feeling some sort of hardship and just to have that community around you, to know that you're not alone and to know that these people are seeking God first to work through these things, you you can't really find that out in the world very often. And so to have the community within that has been really great. I think that when you really start to take your faith seriously and when you get involved in a way that you're here two, three, four, like five times, sometimes a week, uh, you start to, it just becomes such a part of your life that it, it naturally comes up in your everyday conversation. All of the things that you're experiencing and growing in and learning becomes a part of your daily conversation. And just having that in conversation with strangers or coworkers or friends or family, I think is exactly what God is asking of us. You know, it's not saying become a Christian, find God, find faith, it's just saying, this is what I've been living and this is the peace and the happiness and the strength that it's brought me. And you can't, you can't just say that and, and preach it, you know, you can live it. And so being able to participate in so many different things through this church forces you to live it. <laughs> Yeah, you can. Uh, Shonda and Christian, wherever you are, we're glad you're here. 
<laughs> and, uh, you, you know, and, and if you're here visiting, we're glad you're here. If you've been here for 50 plus years, we're glad you're here because people are coming. And, and here's the deal. We are witnesses to the incredible transformation that God can do in a life. And we can't help but tell people that. But you won't have much to say if God's not changing you. And so this year, in terms of growing, in terms of following Jesus in a deeper way, in terms of you know, learning to walk like Jesus walked, uh, when that stuff's happening, as you heard Shonda say, when it's happening in your life, you can't help but tell other people. Some of you go, man, why can't I tell other people? It's so hard to share my family. When, when it's exciting to you, when you are involved, when you are plugging in, when you're doing things, you, you'll tell other people. Because like those disciples thousands of years ago, we can't help but say what Jesus has done and what we have seen and heard him do in our lives. And the most important part is that he gave his life on our behalf. He gave his life so that we could have our sins forgiveness, forgiven and so that we could be free. And that's why each week we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We, we celebrate communion together. If you got your communion as you came in, um, great. If you need some, there's always some on the sides. And at different times, we'll kind of mix that up a little bit. But, but, it, but, but it all comes down to focusing on this one thing. That God loved you enough, no matter where you are, that even in the midst of our sin, God loved you enough to send his one and only son to die on a cross for your sins and mine so that we could experience forgiveness and freedom and life the way God intended it to be lived. And we learn to do that by following Jesus. And so um, let's together take the bread that represents his broken body. Let's take that together. And then there's the cup that represents Jesus' shed blood with which he purchased our forgiveness. So let's take that together. And folks, you have something to witness to. Jesus has called you out of darkness and into light and will transform your life if you'll let him. So let's pray together. And together, let's be on mission in 2023, amen? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the indescribable gift of Jesus. And thank you, Father, that, <laughs> Father, it baffles me sometimes, but in your incredible plan and your wisdom that only you have, that God, you decided that you were gonna use us to, to carry out your plan of taking this message of love, of peace, of forgiveness, of salvation in Jesus to the world. So Father, help us stay on mission together and rejoice in the amazing things that we will see as you transform us and you transform the world through your power that works in us. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.